distilling it down, making it even more simple, and just the idea is that how do we grow? And so when I talk about personal growth, it's the idea of finding something within us that's true to us, that's more authentic, that almost roots us in a, a foundation for being rather than doing. And I think ultimately that's how we get to a, a source of growth in our lives. And growth can comes in a lot of ways, right? It can come from what we do in our work, what we do in our personal lives that fulfill us, but really they're not mutually exclusive. It's all one and the same. How do we grow as a human being? Greetings, hello, good day, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada. My name is Simon and I'm your host. True Hope Canada is a mind and body based supplement company that is dedicated first and foremost to promoting brain and body health through non-invasive nutritional means. For more information about us, please visit truehopecanada.com. Today, I welcome Joshua Kramer to the podcast. Now, Joshua is the author of The Unicorn in You, a personal growth and development perspective that emphasizes five key principles as the foundation for peace and joy. Today, Joshua and I will discuss finding peace and joy as well as discussing the unicorn in you. Enjoy the show. All right. Good morning, Joshua. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for joining True Hope Cast to have a, have a conversation. How are you doing today? What is going well? I'm great, Simon. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to finally be with you and looking forward to a great conversation. Wonderful. Well, as an introduction, why don't you just let our audience know, let me know who you are, what is it that you do? Sure. So I am uh, based in northern New Jersey, not too far from New York City. And by profession, I am a real estate uh, guy. It's funny how we always kind of identify ourselves by what we do, but I never really look at it like that too much because I am feel like more of a, a learner, a citizen of the world, always looking to grow, always looking to improve. And I think more recently, I've, I've really took a step in that direction with a new book I've written, which helped me especially, but also to hopefully help others. Incredible. Wonderful. Well, from your website, you are a personal growth specialist, it sounds like. That's what that's the kind of the image that I that I get across there. And yeah, I was just interested to learn a little bit more about what does that mean? What does that mean in your in your particular field and how you, you know how you've um, gained the experience to assist people with their own personal growth? Obviously, that that could mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people when we all have um, different areas where I suppose we, we, we want to focus our growth because obviously we're you know, we're much more than just our business. We're much more than just our family or a relationship. So for you and your work, how, how, what does personal growth mean? I think for me, it starts with this idea that as humans, we're always looking to improve, but more really to evolve and really to grow for so long. I think that I forgot that piece of our development in life as we've gotten better, as we've learned. The idea is really for us to grow. And I've struggled for a long time in my life and always leaned on this idea of self-help and trying to understand how we can maybe just help ourselves improve. And I think that distilling it down, making it even more simple, and just the idea is that how do we grow? And so when I talk about personal growth, it's the idea of finding something within us that's true to us, that's more authentic, that almost roots us in a, a foundation for being rather than doing. 
And I think ultimately that's how we get to a, a source of growth in our lives. And growth can comes in a lot of ways, right? It can come from what we do in our work, what we do in our personal lives that fulfill us. But really, they're not mutually exclusive. It's all one and the same. How do we grow as a human being? That word authentic is very interesting because I feel for a lot of people, if you were to ask them, what? What, what's your authentic self? You know, what does your authentic self want to do to grow? You know, what does that look like? I think because we're so wired to be controlled a little bit by the external world in our, in our, in our little groups within our culture as a huge society, we kind of get pushed in certain directions because, you know, we want to fulfill our role in society, but that's not really getting through to our like internal core authentic self. So how do you help people filter through that that trouble because i'm sure for a lot of people that can be quite difficult because we, we don't spend a whole lot of time internalizing figuring out what it is that we truly like want yeah. for ourselves because we're not really wired like that in our society right so how does that how does that work for people it's so well said because i think authenticity sometimes gets misused and the idea at least for me when i think about being authentic it's what's inside of us and then what we reveal to the outside world and it can be that simple, but really it has to doing it really has to do with being true to ourselves. And so when I think about how do we get to authenticity, to me it has to do with openness. Openness to what comes in our lives and not trying to control, like you said, every single element. And I think it really starts with having a foundation an understanding of what really drives us. And so in my book, The Unicorn and You, what I talk about is these principles, because I feel like we all have them. They don't necessarily have to define us, but ultimately they inform our behavior and inform sort of what we present to the outside world. And it says so much about ourselves when we're able to be that principle that we are. And I outlined five of them, which we'll get into. But I think that's maybe the first step of authenticity. It's defining our values or our principles basically saying, who are you? And then are you brave enough to be that person in the world? How, how do people usually respond to that particular question? Because it's a big question. It's deep. Yeah. People don't usually, you know, we don't have that conversation every day when we right. meet our friends and family, right? It's really, you know, when, when you ask people, oh, hi, Simon, how are you doing? And people, you know, it's usually just like, yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Right. It's usually this, we just go through this kind of like monotonous, um, script that we go through but like really getting to the core of it but that that question that you're asking there that authenticity piece such a beautiful such a beautiful open vulnerable question how do people usually respond is there you is there some resistance there or do you do you have to coax that authenticity out of people a little bit guide them there a little bit more coaxing and you're so spot on because i think about this idea you know so much when we meet people or at least you know in, in my world, often the, the first question is, what do you do? Not really, who are you? Or how do you spend your time? It's always about rooted in kind of what we do, whether it's for a living, and really asking you, how do you make your money, which says nothing about us. And I think that, to your point, a lot of people sometimes are taken aback by that because it requires so much vulnerability. Because really what you're asking is, who are you? It, you know, at your core, deep down, what motivates you, what drives you, but what brings you peace and joy, which is really, I think, at the heart of so much of what we're doing. I think that you mentioned another word, and we're getting into all the great, great words, this idea of authenticity, but vulnerability. 
I'm a believer, and I talk a lot about this in the book, this idea of vulnerability these days has become going deep and all these things, and they're much in vogue. And I think being vulnerable, its benefits are not really just for its own sake. I think what we can get from being vulnerable in answering a question like that, if it's asked, is that we're able to identify these emotions and then not just in ourselves, but in others as well. And that makes us more kind, that makes us more grateful, it makes us more humble. And I think it allows us to accept things a lot easier too. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. I, I love the idea that, I think it's so interesting that I wouldn't have considered myself to be a vulnerable individual until I was maybe 28, 29, 30. And that coincided perfectly with me finding exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to learn about nutrition and then I wanted to help people um, heal their bodies and feel as awesome as I did with my transition. And people can't, um, it's very, very difficult to people to be that vulnerable because it's, it's, you have to kind of put so much to the side. You have to put so much of what you've learned to the side. So many of the personalities that you've created within your, within your circles, because obviously we're so, so defined by the, the groups in which we, you know, connect with and, you know, whether that's a football team or a sports team or a a church or something, whatever that may, may be. And that's obviously very important part of our culture is to be is to commune and to be within these groups but when it comes to yourself and your true authentic self especially as you want to personally grow and evolve and change and 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 learn new things yeah it could be very difficult to be that open vulnerable and especially like man like an open vulnerable man like that's not it's not really um it's not really a word that you would describe most men anyway but like i'm really really blessed with my vulnerability because i don't think it would have led me to my wife and have the ability to deal with young children you know it's it's very very challenging so just with that vulnerability piece where where do you do we think do you think that we especially as males you think we lose that as we get older and go into school and things like that and we're told what a man is do you think we lose that piece and we have to refine it and we have to go and see specialists we have to read books we have to do a lot of self-work to refine to, to refine that um vulnerability piece that's obviously so powerful in regards to our own personal development i think so and i'd love that you share that i'm wondering as you were talking about you finding this vulnerability in your life towards the end of your late 20s did you find that it came from a place where you were ultimately getting comfortable with what your purpose was your mission all of these things that you know you finally came to terms with was it an acceptance that you found on the inside that you just knew this was something and you were able to then ultimately you know embrace more than anything else because as we get to our late 20s you know we've had some life experience but now we're getting into a point where like you were saying maybe you're having a family and you can only be probably a better spouse and and parent if you have or if you're more in touch with that did that was it no surprise that it came towards your late twenties as life events happened? Certainly, obviously, you come to a certain period of life, period of time where you want to consider a family and you want to consider your career. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? Do you want to be doing that same job that you were doing in your twenties? And you know, I was a, I was a preschool teacher in Sweden, and I really, really liked my job. I wouldn't say I loved it. I did certain, I lo- loved certain aspects of it, but. Um, a couple of things happened to me in my late 20s where it really kind of break it broke down belief systems I had especially around nutrition and food and fitness and weight and what it what it took to feel 
feel good and what feeling good really meant. I just had a bunch of those belief systems just completely eradicated with a couple of different things that happened. And it's just started making me think differently. And then I started thinking differently about food and then nutrition. And I was just starting to, you know, fire and wire new, new circuits in my brain. And that addictive process filtered out into other areas of my life as well. And I feel like I just started like breaking down walls and was super open to being wrong and super open to being incorrect about things and, you know, grasping new knowledge and it was very very it was super addicting because i was using i feel like i was starting to use my brain for its actual purpose mm. and um it was beginning to evolve rather than just being this rigid plastic thing in my head that was you know already completely programmed by the time i was 28 just so many so many big changes started to happen for me at that time that's such a great share and i appreciate hearing that because you said the word open a few times, and I alluded to before, and I think that when we're talking about to your original question, the idea of our, our wiring as men, are we resistant to that, to being open? And I think so much is of it, you, you're spot on. It's really open to being wrong, or at least to open to changing and pivoting and shifting and not feeling like we're anything less if we do decide that this wasn't quite right, or we need to go in another direction, or I just was not correct. And that's okay. And I think so much of our, you know, our ego gets in the way all the time, man or woman, but I think for men, especially, there's a hesitancy to admit when there is something not going right. And the power really comes from that vulnerability to say it is, and I'm happy to make the change. Yeah, I always think about school and how school like kind of messed me up and messes a lot of kids up in regards to you. There's you know there's a bunch of questions in the in the book in the textbook and all the right answers. The one right answer is in the back, and you're not supposed to look at the back because that would be cheating. But it's there anyway. But and there's only one answer for like some of these questions when we just know like when you go out into the real world and you you know you get a job. It's about collaboration. It's about not just about finding one answer because that's not that's not how that's not how the world works you know that's not how people work together especially in a incredibly dynamic business setting where the yeah. you know one thing in the industry can completely evolve and completely change everything so there's a whole new um whole new basket of potential opportunities and potential answers to it so i always think back to to that and that, that rigidity that created as an 18 year old and then for another 10 years you just believe that you know, there's one answer. And if you don't, and if you don't know the answer, you should either just like lie or be ignorant to the fact that you don't know the answer rather than being, like, Oh, that's really, I've never thought about that. That's interesting. Like, tell me more about that. I didn't, I didn't know that that was not a part of my knowledge before, please enlighten me. And that just opens up my brain to actually hearing that different perspective, taking in that knowledge rather than be like rigid to it and putting my defenses up because, you know, I'm 25 and I should know the answer to all of these things already, you know, and that's not, that is not, beneficial at any age that's a really profound memory because what was coming up for me as you were saying that was my feeling as a young boy and as a student and i was probably the kid in class that was more introverted um someone gave me a great turn of phrase the other night i was socially comfortable um but more, i could be extroverted more introverted tendencies and i was the kid in class who would be afraid to ask the question because exactly to your point. I thought there was only one answer. 
And so I'm afraid of what could come from asking what would either I would perceive to be a dumb question or the fact that I don't know what that one answer could be when they're, that's not how the world works. There are a number of ways to collaborate and work together and work through things. So I really, I love that because everything that we do in our lives inform, you know, the future and going back to how we are taught through education. And you have the perspective of having been an educator that it's really, it, 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 that's very powerful. And I, re I remember distinctly feeling that hesitancy to speak up for fear. Absolutely. It certainly isolates a lot of individuals, that whole, that, that whole setup. And rather than the classroom being this collaborative process where you discuss things through and you create a space where people can just, you know, blurt out wrong answers and understand why that might not be right or wrong or whatever. But yeah, it's, uh, it's just a very interesting environment that, that, that um, blocks a lot of creativity, but I don't want to just spend 40 minutes with you bashing the school system. It's incredibly <laughs> under-resourced. It, there's a lot of issues with that we could talk about that's that right that's days. another episode that's another episode but i want to i want to learn more about your book so it's called the unicorn in you what led you to writing a congratulations by the way writing a Thank book you. is no easy feat so why did you write it and uh, who's it for i wrote this book i began the idea for this book around the start of COVID, which now we're talking past two years ago I always say that this book really started many, many years before that. But the idea for it came around March of 2020. And I had read a lot of books that I considered personal growth and development, self-help books. And around the time of this real change in the world, I was trying to draw from those books that I had read and nothing came to me very instinctually. Everything that I had read before, which was wonderful, was always much of a process. It just didn't feel very natural or organic. And I said, how do I get this feeling of being lighter right now? And I felt like in order to be light, I first had to be solid. That was the first breakthrough I had. And that allowed me to say, okay, what makes me solid? It's about having a foundation for being rather than doing. And so what I did was I started to think about some principles in my life that mattered as we st started speaking about in the beginning. And I always began with this idea of kindness. I just felt like there was always room for more kindness in the world. And I knew that kindness also was something that gave me a sense of peace and joy because it took the focus off of myself. And so from there, I started to think about some of the other principles. And I really wanted to sort of just distill down these ideas into almost a back to basics perspective, not a process, but just an approach to say to folks, what matters in your life? What do you know to be true? What do you know for sure? And allow that to kind of fuel you in terms of these fundamentals in our life that we can just draw from much more naturally and organically. That was the impetus and what prompted the start of the book. And you've spoken about these principles, these foundational principles that you, that you obviously lay out within more detail in the book. Can you can give us a, a brief overview of that? Because I think the, the, the foundational aspect of any book that's looking to serve and looking to support and looking to help and guide people through something having that like foundational process is very important for a lot of people who are looking for obviously point one of like where to begin from. Right. And I'd love to know about a little bit more about that, that foundational aspect from your, from the book. The idea of that foundation, I think comes from having structure and then ultimately a framework. So very quickly, the principles that I outline, and in many ways, I think I'm, what I'm trying to do is prompt people to think about which principles drive them 
But what underpins my theory and thesis is that kindness, gratitude, integrity, humility, and acceptance are five principles that can lead us to a, a greater path of peace and joy. And from each, I take one sort of ingredient that I think that drives each. For kindness, it's about compassion. For gratitude, it's awareness. Integrity, I believe we need decency. Humility, which I think is very underappreciated, I think perspective is required. And acceptance really has to do with flexibility. So those five things with those five key ingredients helps us get underneath and understand, okay, why does this lead me to peace and joy? And then how can it help lead me to peace and joy? I try to make it very, very simple. There's nothing groundbreaking and earth shattering, except the fact that it's delivered in a way that I think resonates with people because it allows them to just really simplify in their mind about being rather than doing. Well, I think the word resonate there absolutely just popped at me. I think that those five principles you just mentioned there, um, there's a commonality between all of them and they all, um, they all resonate an incredibly high energetic frequency whenever we are in a state of kindness or gratitude or integrity our our, our whole aura our whole energy completely shifts and completely changes and there's some amazing people who you know do scientific studies on brain waves in regards to when people are in a state in a state of gratitude and prolonged gratitude and what that actually biochemically and physically does to the human body is absolutely amazing the research on that is just is just incredible so that's really, really cool that you're starting the starting individuals out and you're, and you're teaching the, the, the foundation aspects of this book from a really powerfully energetic place rather than a lot of people who try to, let's just take dieting for an example in January every year, people start off that process with a foundation of guilt. They start off with a foundation of probably anger and jealousy, other individuals, especially through this medium of social media. Um, and that is a that those are completely different emotional states that carry a very different weaker energetic frequency rather than starting it from a position of kindness gratitude understanding integrity these are incredibly powerfully energetic forces that drive those initial changes that you want to make and will allow an individual to really go through your book and really go through it with with a, with a high frequency where they're able to obtain the information and be actually really excited um about continuing and developing and w what do you think about that in regards to that th those principles having that that energetic connotation yeah. that's probably one of the most unique and really positive takes i've heard on the book and what i present because and i don't know that i even considered it that way and what you're suggesting is and i think very very powerfully is that when we do anything what is kind of underpinning it? What is driving it? And as you said, January, people start. What's it coming from? It's not coming from a place of positivity. Maybe it's that guilt. could be fear. It's not starting out in a good place. And that doesn't necessarily set us up for success. And I think that's why someone had asked me about the order of these. It was very intentional. I think kindness is key. I just think that kindness is everything. And it solves a lot. And as I move into gratitude... You know, this idea, gratitude to me is the easiest principle to get started with. It's like, you know, exercising or working out. It doesn't matter what you do, you just do something. And I think, you know, I was always asking people, what's your gratitude practice? Because I think you also have to change it up a little bit. And 
integrity sits squarely in the middle because I think that's just about being solid. And people think integrity could be honesty or, you know, other elements of it. But I think decency really is what drives that. And so these are all positive things. Humility, as I mentioned, underappreciated. And the reason why I always emphasize that is because humility is about perspective. And for me, it has to do with our sense of significance, but even more so our insignificance in the world. And it really reduces the size and scope of our self-importance. And acceptance acts as this anchor because acceptance then says, okay, I'm going to root myself in reality. I'm going to acknowledge what is rather than regret what isn't. And I'm going to use flexibility to help drive this home because I can handle conflicting emotions in my mind. I have to stretch or bend or flex in, in capability of handling this. And so, you know, I think that's a long way of getting to something that she really highlighted is that where are you starting from? And in many ways, this foundation of principles has to do with the foundation itself. Is it rooted in something that's positive? Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think that I think I find it interesting that we absolutely need books like this in our, in our in our world and our lives and especially for a lot of for a lot of young individuals who you know be spoken about the difficulties of those ages and we you know we we kind of get stuck and bound to certain personalities and we try and be the person that we think that we should be based on our on our external and it can be very difficult to recapture that creativity that authenticity that we have as you know quite young children that is just you know kind of it's not developed really uh, with, with with our school system so why do you think that why do you think that all people a lot of people need books like this and need these foundational principles that i believe that we all understand and know but we need it's, it's not enough to to know these days we have to knowing how how to do something is a lot more important so can you what have your thoughts been around i mean obviously when you wrote this book you read a lot of books beforehand and you're pulling together a lot of information with your own personal experience with your own own, own very unique wonderful take on on all of this but what, why do you think that there is this really dire need for this type of information and this type of framework it's a really good question because there's so much product and material, not just books, but in this space. And for me, I think that the need comes from this idea of how do we continue to grow exactly to the point of your first question? I wrote this book actually for myself. I knew that I was going to be struggling or I was afraid of struggling. I wish I had written this book many years ago when I really struggled. I didn't have the emotional resources to do it. You know, this is the book. It's not a big book. And at the same time, it's meant to be a warm kind of guide. And this is the nightstand book that I used to like to always reference. Those books, though, they were a little more complicated. And they required me to say, okay, I have to do this, then I need to do that. And they were very intellectual and very helpful. But when I needed to come back to it, I couldn't recall it that instinctively. But I think anything that's of help to us that gives us comfort is useful. And so that's more broadly why I think we need books like this. But why I think this book connects with people is because it really just says, let's simplify this. Let's, let's go back to principles that are somewhat universal, that are timeless. They're not going to go out of style and allows us to just say, 
okay, how do these play into your life? And if you do just this, if you just think about the things in your life that matter, could you relieve some of that burden and weight that we carry and reduce some of that anxiety? This isn't a book about finding your purpose or finding happiness, which used to be my goal, the, the broad audacious goal of I just want to be happy, but this is deeper. This is about peace and joy, which I believe is about harmony. It's about contentment and in many ways, a lot more manageable. And I think depending on where somebody is when they pick this book up, whether they are maybe struggling with um, the business side of their life or relationships, whether that's their marriage or friends or family um, or self-care, personal development type of things, I think that it's not specific to any of those areas, but it will give people that kind of understanding and catalyst to recognize what they can accomplish in in any of those areas rather than it being quite specific to one aspect. And I'm glad you said that. And I appreciate that, that recognition because in many ways when we were publishing the book and the idea was, okay, the positioning of it, obviously everything becomes a marketing for me. Again, I wrote it to myself. It, if it helped one person, that would be great. And it did, it helped me. But I really did feel that this was for everyone. And the proof has been borne out since its release in that I have heard from people that are 20 years old that have talked to me about how much it's helped them. I've talked to people in their late 70s who, again, connect with this in ways that be like, you know what, this really helps simplify my life. I've reduced some of that anxiety. And I've also spoke to corporations and some of their employees and talked about how these principles, again, they apply to anything in the business world. So I do believe there's a universal appeal and something that everyone will find something with. Very cool. How does the common thread of selflessness lead to this path of peace and joy that, you, that you've been discussing so well? Yeah, and you, you picked out that exact thing is that what I think connects all of these principles is that idea of selflessness. And for me, this has been sort of talked about as a bit of an unself-help book, which I really love that sort of identification because what it's saying is, number one, selflessness is everything. It's not about ourselves. But also in the traditional self-help book, this isn't going to tell you what to do. This is about more of guiding you through in a way that's much more natural and organic. But selflessness is at its core. Selflessness is what in many ways, takes that weight of expectation and ego away from us. When we're working, you know, for example, dealing with kindness. Kindness to me is the first and easiest way to, to sort of find peace and joy because for many people, it gives us a focus activity. For many people, it just feels good to be kind to people. And more than anything else, I think kindness allows us to let go of our judgments, which in many ways lets go of those that, that weight of, you know, expectation and worry and stress, in many ways, giving people the benefit of doubt. So releasing judgments, it's releasing so much more than that, too. It really does sound like the book is like a, a power energy reclamation mm -hmm. book. Would you That's concur right. with that? I think that may be the best phrasing I've heard yet. It is a power energy reclamation. Is that kind of the idea? It's true. Energy, vibration, and you do a lot of work on this, and, and you're certainly more well-versed than I am on this, but I think energy is everything. Being in tune with it, picking up from it, but also what it really provides. And I think you're exactly right, is that this is about energy. Kindness, gratitude, integrity, humility, and acceptance. It's all energy vibration. Yeah, I think so many of these self-help books are 
maybe a little bit too directional. I think a lot of some people are going to really resonate with that type of um, direct nature. But a lot of people are not because they're just everyone's just so wildly, beautifully, uniquely different. And what you know, what your book can do for a lot more people than let's just say this self-help book that just helps you make more money or something like that. You know, you're you're giving people that power on a foundational level to figure out exactly how they can how they can do it for themselves. And, and again, find out who they are. And is that what they really want? Is that the, is, you know, is is that true, authentic individual that they're expressing right now actually them or is it just a product of their environment which you know can really lead people down a very unauthentic route yeah. so having your book and having the ability to really recognize these foundations of kindness gratitude and all these wonderful high energy states just literally puts people in a in a different perspective to even actually bring these things to themselves because we know like energy attracts energy and i totally believe that if you were to put yourself in the ultimate form of receivership in gratitude for longer periods of time you're going to pull those things that you do want and you do need in your life whether that is more finance or that is that person that you've been looking for if it's an answer to a riddle that you've had for years you know i and i, I truly believe that when you put yourself in these in these energetic states, these things come to us in very unusual circumstances in places that we would never lead to expect it. And I'm sure as you've written this book and you've, you've got the feedback, I'm sure a lot of people have, have really um, had their eyes wide, have, have had their minds blown in regards to like what's come to it, what's come into their life since they put themselves in these states of, of, of gratitude yeah. and love. Simon, I'm sending you on the book tour because you are going to be the best ambassador. And, you know, I'm sort of, I would say that I'm new to this appreciation for the connection to energy, but you are so right. And those who know, know. Those who are in that and understand that, they know. And those that come to it, then they can't believe how life-changing it is to really be connected to the energy here. And you actually even alluded to this idea of like, our uniqueness, you know, the unicorn in you, I wrote it, it was based on a, a story with my niece and nephew, that, that sort of symbol of the unicorn, but it really has to do with exactly what you're talking about. That special part of us, that unique part of us, that's what the unicorn really represents. It's, it's our greater potential and ambition and all that, but really has to do with our specialness. That's all. I completely agree with you. And I think when we can find the mysticism in life, we can find the mystical within ourselves. I think that's where we create absolutely phenomenal things and things that we never thought that we were capable of. And we can't do that without this foundational aspect of uh, of putting ourselves in that energetic state. And yeah, that, that whole unicorn side of things, the, the, the mysticism behind that is just, you know, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. Thank you. And you know what? It's interesting when we talk about all those those elements, the beautiful parts of life that you just mentioned, you know, I go back to that principle that I really have been focusing on humility. One piece of advice that I give to people, and again, this isn't a direction, but it's this idea of cultivating awe, because I think that's that one piece that helps us reduce our sense of importance, because when we're out there in the world and we're able to stop for a second, and I joke that it may require us to put our phone down for a little bit, but when we cultivate awe in the world, that's where 
we're able to then feel lighter and understand our, our place in it and all the beauty that's around us too. Wonderful. How does kindness and gratitude help create that foundation for, you know, being and changing that state of being to put ourselves in a position to move forward? I think kindness and gratitude, and you probably articulated it better, is this idea they become almost energy states. And I think that we're coming from a position of kindness and gratitude. I mean, to start with kindness, I talk about um, releasing judgments. But so much of that really has to do with almost putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And I think that's an incredibly powerful way to go about giving benefit of the doubt, using our sense of imagination that I think is so, so important. And kindness really is often the kindest thing we can do for ourselves, even though we're doing it for someone else. Gratitude, I still believe, is just one of the easiest things to get started with. If anyone is listening, you know, and they're looking for ways, it doesn't have to be this involved thing. Maybe it's something that you jot down in the morning or even just take a moment of recognition. Or at night, maybe you just reflect on your day. But I guarantee you that if you were able to, at the end of each day, write down something that you are grateful for, you should have a very long list, whether it's a clean glass of water that you were able to have, a meal, an interaction with a loved one, a, a, some part of nature that you looked at. And that in and of itself helps create that foundation to your original question for peace and joy. Beautiful. Who's influenced you or any particular authors, any particular books or individuals in your life that, have, that influenced you to create this, to create this book in this, and, and this, uh, and this whole, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a complete concept. It's beautiful. Thank you. And you know, I, I used to read a lot of fiction and for me, it was my escape and I enjoyed that. So there are a lot of works of fiction that I really enjoy that probably informed a lot of, you know, these feelings, but also th this influence from the personal growth and development side, I can't say that there's anyone that has really had a major influence. I enjoy what each of them has brought. But I think most recently I've been, and I reference in the book as well, you know, a lot of Maya Angelou's poetry, I think has influenced me just into the terms of, of a way I've been navigating and gliding through life. And I tell a story in the book, especially at the outset, and you probably remember this, there was a point during the last two years where people were saying, gosh, everything is like Groundhog Day. It's just the same thing over and over again based on the, the movie. And I quote Maya Angelou in the book, in The Unicorn and You, and I say, you know, today is a beautiful day. I've never seen this one before. And even that change in perspective, rather than saying this day is like all the others, is a complete shift in our sense of gratitude and appreciation and perspective. So I would say Maya Angelou's poetry has recently has influenced me. Wonderful. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Thank you very much, Josh. Where, where can people um, connect with you? Where's the best place for them to go? So I am fairly new to the social media world, but uh, they can find me on Instagram and TikTok now even, The Unicorn and You. Uh, I have a website with the same name, theunicornandyou.com. Uh, the book certainly is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Some independent bookstores, thankfully, are in, in good fortune carrying it. And you can always connect with me at joshkramer.com. I love hearing from people. I'm happy to send you a book if you're unable to purchase one yourself and love to uh, get everyone's feedback. Wonderful. I'm, make sure, I'm going to personally be ordering one myself. I'm very, very interested to read more about the, especially these, 
these foundational principles it sounds super interesting and it sounds like you've broken them down in a very easily digestible manner to easily put into people's lives right away so i'm very interested to to learn more about that and it's that type of book is right up my street so i'm very very interested to read about it that's great awesome well i want to i thank you so much again for taking the time to to speak with me today josh i am genuinely excited to, to learn more about your book i'm very happy that we got to get this conversation in and i got to meet you and i got to learn more about what you do so thank you so much for taking the time today Likewise. Thank you, Simon. Thank you for all you're doing. I appreciate it. And uh, here's to your continued success as well. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this episode of True Hope Cast, the official podcast of True Hope Canada, everybody. For more information about anything that we've spoken to, links to get connected with Josh, I'll make sure in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet. But that's it for this week. We will see you soon.